Welcome to the Technoary Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me on today's show, Rochelle Naraki Gori. She's the CEO, founder of Spring 4. I have to mention, female founder in fintech, not necessarily the most common thing. I'll make it even less common. She has not raised any outside capital. Doesn't need to, doesn't want to. I think that is uh, uh, something that I'd like to see more of. We just did a fundraising workshop at M-Hub, and I think I pounded on everyone's head about the need to only raise money when you when you want to, when you don't need to. It's just a better spot to be in. Obviously, easier said than done. Uh, but anytime I see a company that just sort of literally takes a 10-year approach to building it out and then slowly gets where they're going and don't have to take outside capital, uh, I, I think they deserve a spotlight. Speaking of spotlights, I want to make sure to uh, give a shout-out to BMO, they are partnered with 1871 uh, to make this happen. They have a, uh, a fintech sort of partnership going on with startup companies based out of 1871. Another shout out goes out to Laura Michelle Daly, um, who I went to school with, and she kind of put this on my radar, so I appreciate the shout out there. What you are going to hear when you listen to this show, I think it's a good one. I think you're going to learn a little bit about how to solve for or how to, I guess, make amends with the fact that maybe you're financially not in the best spot. Half the people in this country are paycheck to paycheck. Most people cannot afford to pay a surprise $400 bill. That's too much. That's a crazy stat. And I think most people are ashamed maybe of it. And I think most business owners don't really re realize, or maybe they do and they don't care, but they don't realize that a lot of their employees are in that kind of financial shape. And so the fact that a company like Spring4 exists to help people solve for the certain financial hardships that they're facing I think is a good thing. And I think employers can use it to help their, their employees take some stress off and potentially, you know, pad their pockets a little better. And also the banks. I mean, most banks we talk about in the show, most banks really have a hard time suggesting what to do other than to tell you, I'm sorry, we can't give you a loan because they don't want to be liable and they don't want to be responsible for having to know every single opportunity or, or thing that's out there. And so I think it's important to have groups like like Spring 4 that are unbiased and they're just saying, listen, here's everything. This is everything we know about the situation you're in and how you can help solve for it, um, which is which is good. The other thing I think is funny is we talk about this for like two seconds is the fact that she says, uh, I hope this isn't a, 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 a short trend, um, the, the notion of financial wellness as a concept. And, and I, I don't think it is because I think generations past – we took accounting class. I had an accounting class in high school. I didn't really do very well on it, but I was in it. And we had classes. My mom taught OE uh, at high school for 20 something years of that point. And students were getting the opportunity to work in businesses and learn about managing their own money. And now kids come out and they don't even know how to, myself included, don't even know how to fill out a check, you know? So I, I think a lot of people, a lot of young people are learning about finances after they get a job, after it's too late. They made a little money, they took out a credit card, and then they spent all that money and spent all that credit card, and now they're in trouble. And just teaching them X's and O's is not going to get you anywhere. You need someone who can actually give you solutions overnight. And for, uh, Spring 4 is one of those kind of companies. So anyway, that conversation, is, I think, is a very good one and a very worthwhile one. If you are one of those quiet people who are struggling financially, you are not alone. So do, do not freak out. Just go check out Spring 4. Uh, also talk to your bank. It seems like now they're a little bit more, um, I guess, willing to help. There was a period of time where they would have told you just go default and whatever, your problem. Anyway, before we have the conversation with Rochelle, I want to do our little startup inbox. It is brought to you by Active Campaign. See why 65,000 businesses, including Technori, use Active Campaign 
for their marketing by signing up at activecampaign.com slash Tacnori. Get the first two months for free. Um, if you don't know where to go for that, you can – this is like a really shameless plug for myself. You can just subscribe to the Technori newsletter. It's every week on Tuesday, and it's fantastic. And you can scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see a link that says Active Campaign, and you click on it, and voila. The application process and the onboarding for the solution and for the CRM is incredible. Uh, you will experience that. Now, what does Tom Gates, a good friend here uh, of the show, have to ask? And this is, this is very timely. While the Samsung's $2,000 Galaxy Fold phone is breaking in reviewers' hands, I am left with a question. Is there a sound reason to build a product that no one asked for or wants? Good question. Steve Jobs built, well, he built a lot of things, but he built an iPhone that nobody needed. When you were flipping and texting on your phone, did you think that you were going to need a bunch of icons and apps on a home screen for you to scroll back and forth and that you were going to read things on your phone and you were going to listen to music on your phone? You were going to take photos and edit them and then sh upload and share them with the world? No, you did not. Uh, did you think that you were going to need a watch that had an LTE in it and you could make phone calls on the road in your watch? No, you did not. Did you think that you were going to need 4,000 songs stored in your pocket? No, you did not. Because where would you be going? You can just listen to it on the radio. But aha, you did not know that there was not going to be podcasts and on-demand content, which would make the radio, other than my show on Saturdays from 1 to 2, more or less worthless. We don't always know what we don't like or what we do like. We don't always know what we want. And it takes really, really smart people to tell us that. Now, that said, this folding phone thing is really stupid. The idea that you want a screen that folds but doesn't crease is like, I, I don't even know what, like, I, I don't even know what to compare that to. It's that stupid. Now, maybe I'll look like the idiot later because it'll become the, the next big thing. I just don't see it. I don't, like, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't see a place where the amount of R&D that goes into building something like that to solve a problem that I created on my own. It's not like I solved a problem. Solving, I created the problem. I made a screen that fucking folds. So, you know, ultimately, to your question, Tom, I don't think that it necessarily is a bad thing. In fact, I don't think it's a bad thing at all that we try to create products for people that no one asked for. You know, not everyone is going to be a visionary, and so they're, they're going to create a lot of products that are garbage. But, but if we don't try to create things that no one else has ever thought of, we won't ever have any innovation. So let me ask, answer your question with one more question. Perhaps it's better approach to just do more market research. And maybe they did, but whoever answered it, I think lied to them. So that is my thoughts, Tom. Thank you. And everyone else listening, thank you for submitting to the Startup Inbox. I love reading these every week. If you want to contribute and be on the show, all you have to do is send us your question at hello at technori.com or feel free to DM me or us at technori or at Katoon on most things social. This is my conversation with Rochelle Naraki Gori. When I think of companies that are in the fintech space in particular yeah i don't think of social impact so that's what i was yeah. going to say we're certified being social impact i really don't know if there's any other fintechs that are also social impact so, so it's uh, yeah. a huge differentiator for us so go into it i mean okay. what, what is what like yeah. tell me about that like what yeah what does that mean and why are there not more mm -hmm. it's all you 
<laughs> Why are there not more? That's a great question. I think that a lot of fintechs are based solely on products and services, and we're focused more on how do we improve somebody's life financially. Yeah. And so to us, being a social impact is super important because we're looking at what is the impact that's created by this technology, by this product that we created. I think, so one of the things that I've, t I don't know what the number is now, 100, it's, it's a lot of fintech companies. Mm -hmm. And of that percentage, I'm gonna guess maybe 25% or so all come in under the like financial institutional education, but like actually they're trying to sell you a service. So like the, the majority of it's still like, I would, I would portion it and say like they, they're, they're partially trying right. to create their own marketplace. Right, like they're educating you, but then they're selling you a product. Yep. Like they're educating you, hey, you could refi, or hey, you might need a small business loan, or we can help you improve your credit. And then why don't you go ahead and get a credit card, or why don't you get a loan with this particular institution? Yeah, and I, I think what's interesting about that, I guess, I don't know if interesting is the right word, uh, what is off-putting, I guess, is like as a business operator, I totally understand why you have to create your own your own stuff. Like you have to you have to educate your market on like what you're you're using. I mean, I I look at um, you know on a national base, I look at like Robinhood and what they're doing with the app to, to like educate people on investing in the markets, educate them on you know all of the different things that 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 are important to recognize before you invest actual money. And you look at things locally here with like Top Step Trader and Holberg Financial and some of these other companies that are working in a gamification piece, I understand why they do that. And I understand and I'm okay with the fact that they have to create this market that is gonna be the next generation of users. But I see a lot of financial companies where, I don't wanna name names on some of them, but it's like, you, I can see that you're making it feel like I can get what other rich people have been able to have access to forever, but actually what you're doing is like saddling with a really bad loan. And it's there's something awkward about it and then there's companies like completely this is like a 180 you look at like tasty trade tasty works here in chicago where christy ross and tom are building a piece that yes they would like you to ultimately invest money with their brokerage that's the goal but the truth of the matter is they still make some money or still get value out having you just be a, a, a watcher of the show and if not that they're just hoping that f younger people will learn that there's a different or a better way to invest their money. And so it's not quite as much of a bait and switch, whereas I think a lot of financial firms are. And maybe that's like, maybe they need to do more social impact. They, they need to, to rinse the sins away. Um, so I'm just curious, like where you guys come in from, like where, what was the, like one, what was the angle that you were like, we have to focus on social impact. And then two, tell everyone like exactly what business you're in. Absolutely. So we, my co-founder and I, we spent our careers working in community development, working in the nonprofit housing field, building partnerships between community organizations and nonprofits, and working to improve the lives of residents. So social impact is what we do, it's who we are. It isn't something that we said, oh, and wouldn't this be great to add this to our business model? Yeah. So there's true intention behind it. Yeah, so, so, the, I, so I, I, well, I guess it's kind of funny when you say that because, uh, the intention piece there's so and in chicago too and I, and I don't know why this is but in chicago there are so many social impact companies that i i have encountered and i'm like i feel like that's almost a like a, a workaround it's a business that you're like masquerading as social impact mm -hmm. and and i wonder if that is like if you see that trending 
And then the other part of that is the authenticity that I think companies like, like yours were like, this is our business. And right. so there's, it's authentic from the get-go. Look, we started our company in 2005. There was no fintech. No one was talking about financial health, and there were no certified B corporations. And our idea at the very beginning was, how do we help connect people who are in financial difficulty with all the great programs and resources that we know are out there, yet they don't know about them because people aren't talking about their financial challenges. You know, they're yeah. not telling their neighbor, hey, I can't pay my mortgage this month. And we also knew that banks who operated large call centers didn't have the capabilities and didn't you know, it wasn't really, they didn't need to be the experts about all of those community organizations. So if we could build the technology that made those connections happen yep. and we could do so in an efficient way, that's a win-win for the banks. It's a win-win for the neighborhoods and of course for the consumer or the <coughs> borrower. So from the very beginning, our intent was to help people and we were going to create a product that the banking industry could utilize to, you know, help their line of business and help their customers. So Walk me through the actual business. How, how do I see or experience your business? As a consumer yep. or Well, a either way, bank, okay. bank or consumer. So I think one important distinction is we are B2B. So yep. we're, we're working with the financial services industry, broadening also our scope to employers who want to help their employees, retailers who want to help their employees as well. Really any organization who wants to help either their customers or um, their borrowers, or I'm sorry, their employees, <laughs> Um, experience better financial health, they can work with Spring 4 to do so. And they do so in two different ways. So we have a our S4 professional tool, which can be used in a call center environment or in face-to-face -face meetings. So think about a bank in their collections or loss mitigation departments when they're making those collection calls and working with a borrower who can't make their auto mortgage or credit card payments they're able to use spring for look up by their zip code where the borrower is living and make connections in 30 different spending categories so at spring four we really believe that when people can't pay their bills there's a reason why right yep. something's happening in their financial lives that makes it impossible for them to pay and so we've created a vast database of curated resources that go into and look into all of those different trigger events so anything from you know unexpected health care um, issues to employment resources is somebody you know out of work underemployed can we help connect them to a job training program can we help connect them to a housing counselor a home repair program so 30 different categories so um, that's our uh, spring for professional tool and then we also have a uh, consumer-facing tool, our S4 Direct, that our customers can utilize. They can either white label it or co-brand it, put it on their consumer-facing website, and then their borrowers and customers can access it 24-7 to find those resources and services on their own. And why that's important is a lot of people are afraid to call their lender when they're experiencing problems. And it's really great for our bank partners around brand, conveying that they're there to help, um, that they want to help their customers save money, get on the path to better financial health. What are some of the tools specifically that you guys are help putting in front of people? Because I, I think of like whether it's student loan debt mm -hmm. or if you want to go back to 08 when there was the housing crisis, you look at lenders and, and, and I experienced this when I was working in commercial real estate. You, you talk to a bank who literally their goal is to get your money like they, they need the money that you owe them. Um, but ultimately I would come in and say, I mean, this wasn't me, but I would hear the stories of this where it's like, you're going in and like, I can't afford to pay my mortgage, but I can afford to pay X portion of it. 
And the answer was basically, no, it's it. And like there were people I know in the industry who literally told these people who were basically about to default, it is better for you to just default than to even try to negotiate because it'll just end poorly for you, which I think a lot of things have changed around yes, that. Yes, a lot has yeah. changed, and the industry is really um, doing a much better job assisting borrowers. Um, What's in they, their best interest? I think absolutely. they thought there was a bailout coming, and so it was like, well, hey, you know, we'll end up with your money and we'll still keep mm -hmm. the assets. And I, I think that's where things have changed in that regard. Mm -hmm. I also – yeah, no, go oh, ahead. Oh, I just wanted to add, so one uh, bank that we're working with, U.S. Bank, so they use the Spring 4 tools throughout – um, their mortgage collections and they saw an increase by over 50 percent in participation in loan workouts and foreclosure intervention programs when they offer spring for referrals yep. so to me that says a couple of things it says one um, as a borrower it says oh if i see that my bank is offering this resource resource and tool it says to me oh i can utilize this now get kind of things in order and then i'm more confident that my bank will actually work with me to help modify or maybe um you know, qualify for a loan modification that I wouldn't have otherwise qualified for. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about what the actual off the offering and the resources are that you're providing, like U.S. Bank. What what exactly is is Spring for putting in front of these people? Because I think one of the biggest challenges, um, well, I mean, it's it goes both sides. There's like a B two B and a B two C here, but the the big challenge I see on the B two C side is there's so much BS out there that if I take to Google to try to solve my own problems, you were going to end up. I don't even want to tell you we're going to end up. It's yeah. not a good place. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because we we do not want to be the Google of every organization yeah. or resource that's out there. Yep. So one of our differentiators at Spring 4 is we employ a professional data team that investigates and curates and vets all of the resources that we have in our platform. So we have over 12,000 resources in 30 different spending categories. We're in 360 cities or markets around the country. And our professional data team is responsible for assessing those nonprofits and government agencies based on track record, capacity to assist, reputation, and funding levels. So if an organization, let's say providing utility assistance, it's a super cold winter and they run out of funding in February, then we we hide them for a while until the funding comes back. So we don't wanna, we wanna make sure that when somebody gets a recommendation and referral through Spring 4 that it's always um, available, it's not a dead end. Yep. So, you know, that's a huge differentiator uh, for our company that we're vetting and curating those resources because when people are financially stressed or just stressed in general, it's not helpful to no. provide them with 300 organizations. And also, you know, not every organization is, is as mature or yeah. has as many resources available. When I was trying to figure out uh, how to reorganize, we'll call it, some student loan debt, um, the guy on the other end of the phone said, perhaps you should look into a wishing tree. <laughs> oh, that's helpful. Like, Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> How would I chop your tree down? Kick in your uh, your treehouse. Right. Um, but and no, the, yeah, I just I guess the other part of this is is interesting is the B two B side. So I think you identified one, not one like about twelve thousand different problems that and they can sort of hamper uh, as someone who's dealing with debt issues individually as a consumer. I think one of the other parts that from a banking side, aside from what I talked about before with the crisis is you don't want to be the, the person who gave bad advice. You don't want to be the person as a banker, whether it's a liability factor as the banker, that I don't want to say something on behalf of a bank, but also I just don't want to be the one who's like on the hook for telling you what you should do 
or I'm you know not in a position to do so. And I, I think a lot of bankers, and not just it's not just bankers, it's creditors, it's it's anyone in the financial institution or legal or insurance or any number of things. They feel, I think they are they get a bad rap because I feel like they think that they're thought of very poorly because they're not helpful, and it's a stressful situation to begin with. And so they just would rather not dive in deeper and just say, listen, you know, we can't service you today. I'm sorry. Uh, click and, and just that's, like, get out with it. Right, and that's where we're changing things. Yep. Right, so. Um, you're absolutely right. I think there is a hesitancy to do that, and that is why it makes sense to partner with Spring Fort. That's why we see our clients choosing to co-brand with us um, because they like relying on Spring Fort and the reputation and track record that we've built. The fact that well, we're it's assertive- much easier to manage too, and I mean, they don't have to be responsible right. for the the responses of every single person at their right. bank who does not know everything. Right. So we make it easy for their staff to be able to do that, and it's really changing the outcomes so one of the unintended uh, consequences or benefits that we see through offering our tool is that the employees so the the agents that are using our tool absolutely love it it's yep. changed the dynamic it's changed the course of those calls or those interactions that they're having with customers so um, you know not always a pleasant job to be working in collections or no. loss mitigation and now they're able to say, okay, Scott, I hear you. I understand what you're going through. Would you like some resources? I can help point you to Towards some, a wishing tree? Yeah, towards a wishing tree. And that's <laughs> exactly what they do. I can get you a real wishing tree. And so um, we have so many great stories of how it's turned things around for individual people, but then, you know, the agents and the employees at the bank um, and has helped improve their customer service. So, again, it's an example of a win-win. Um, so then we have to talk a little bit more about like the actual model now. So like I, I hear you say referral partners and things like this. How do you guys actually make money? How do you generate revenue for uh, for for everything that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So because revenue is good, right? Reven that's, a, that's the funniest <laughs> thing. So like re that's the one thing that I, I find interesting about and it's changing a little bit, but about nonprofits in particular, but also those who are in the social impact, you mm -hmm. know, sort of. I'm not even going to say arena because it's like very large companies that also happen to have social impact or foundational pieces. And there's this thought that like they have to be very, very separate and, and like that people will judge you if you're social impact or social good, but you make money. It's like it takes money to, to do good. Like I need to make money to be able to give you I'm giving you a portion of my money. To right. Do good. Yeah. So our revenue model is we charge our clients to use our services, to use our technology platform. So the banks are paying us on an annual subscription to access okay. our technology. We do not um, charge per referral or usage. Okay. So from the very beginning, our goal was to allow our clients to use our services as much as possible, that we want to encourage as many referrals as possible. If it takes, you know, a client needs three or four referrals to solve their financial problems, and often they do because Let's face it, when you're having trouble in one area, there's probably some other areas that you're having difficulty yeah. in as well, especially if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, so our clients pay to use our technology solution. And then another important thing to note is all of the organizations that we make referrals to, we do not earn any revenue or fees from that. Of course, could we? Most likely we could. We're free marketing yeah. for those organizations. But um, from the very beginning, our intent was 
um, we want to be a trusted, neutral third party, yeah. an independent source of good, vetted information. Let's dive into this model a little bit if you can. So I, I think it's interesting if you scale back to the beginning of this, starting the company, you make a decision that we're going to go the route of not charging referral fees or not capitalizing on referral fees. I think, you know, knowing a little bit about sort of the network dynamic as part of a business model, which we obviously execute on, I, I think you could argue that you could still have an unbiased open marketplace where people are using it and you're not charging the customers, but the actual people who benefit. Basically, listen, if, if uh, I have a referral agreement with every single group on here and if 25 people go this way, then I get that. And if two people go that way, I get it doesn't make a difference to me where they where they spend their business. And you could put mechanisms in to make sure that you're not persuading it. But there is the conversation then about protecting that and protocols and making sure that you're transparent and all of a sudden the authenticity thing starts to come in and you there, there are things that can be problematic you opted rather than and you could do both i mean you could still charge clients and then also take referral yeah but, I, but you opted to go the route of of the client which i think is i think it's a better decision probably because of the transparency conversation but it's also potentially interesting because no one said that you couldn't later on at some point activate referral fee. You could always do it if you so were so inclined. What is interesting to me is that you control. So like what I hate about referral businesses in general is that I don't have any real, real control of the sale. Like at, at one point I hand my customer, my, your potential customer to you. It's kind of up to you whether or not you close or not. So like if my referral partners don't, don't turn the loop over, then I'm not going to get any revenue. And so now it's not predictable and becomes very difficult to scale versus you are in control of your own destiny and your current model because you can literally go, we're financed today, we're insured, we can do whatever you want. You could be 50,000 partners by the time you're done or, or more than that. And all you have to do is find the, the source of trouble who have the most troubled people and sell them on, I can help you help them. Right, and I think also by utilizing Spring 4, we're impacting the bottom line of yep. these institutions right oh, sure. and so and the people and the well, people of course and the end consumer or the borrower but yeah so um when we can demonstrate that we can increase repayment rates we can decrease your servicing costs we can help increase your brand value um we're increasing the effectiveness of your employees using the tool we can get banks to pay us for our yeah. technology so and it just goes back to who we are and what we set out to do. We never wanted to charge the consumer. We don't want to charge nonprofits who, you know, are doing the right thing. It makes sense to us when we came up with our business that we would charge the institutions who were going to gain a lot from using our technology. We always said with Technori that the the, the everything we do was free for the startups and the founders, mm -hmm. and we let the rich people pay for it. Because in the end, like they're the ones who are sharking around looking for deals. And it's like, listen, you can you can pay for access. These people don't have to pay for this. Um, I think it's also interesting. Have you, have you guys raised capital? Is that a, a thing you've done or is it all bootstrap? No, we have not raised capital. We're revenue generating and profitable. And we bootstrapped our company with a very small amount. Yep. Um, I like to say we did it the old fashioned way. Yeah. We, saw we started a business. <laughs> right. We, um, you know, saw a problem, knew we had the expertise to to try and solve it, and we went and did that. Yep. I, so I, I, the reason I say that is because, again, I look at the model that you're, you're working from, and I think a lot of companies out there take a very lazy approach. 
I think that if you looked at Technorian, I'm sure that our, our partners and investors over time have been very frustrated with my um, insistence on ad free and insistence on not having paid stuff is because, yeah, we have sponsors who will come to our events and they come to some of our things and they introduce people, but they bring value, they contribute. Um, it's not like you don't get value from a person who's going to give you some free real estate or a discount. Like that was a, it was a good deal for everybody. I don't think that it makes sense to bog down something with cheap money. You're making cheap money because you can, and you're just grabbing at it and you're diminishing the product. When in fact, the real product is we have a 60% plus turn rate on this product for you, the bank. And I know that you're going to, however much money you're generating through this is how much money I can ask you for. And so it's lazy for us to just be like, oh, well, we just need to monetize. Now, if you, if you get acquired or you get turned into a PE firm, well, then they squeeze it like a lemon. And th then it's like, okay, you're going to have all kinds of little revenue things. And, and I think that it, there's no saying that you don't have to at some point add different revenue sources. But I think right. to build this infrastructure the way you did it, the, the old fashioned way, and scale this business up, I think it's pretty crucial that there was really only one product. Like our job is to create the opportunity and the value. And then your job, uh, bank, is to use our stuff to help your customers and you pay us for doing so. It seems much simpler than like any, any other sales pitch, which is more complicated. Right, yeah, I agree. And now we're very excited because it seems almost like the industry is catching up with what our original idea is. So yep. we're so excited that so many companies you know, not just financial institutions are talking about financial health and are thinking about how do we help, you know, our employees, um, our customers with achieving better financial health. I think there's a lot of great data out there now that didn't used to exist looking at, you know, half of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You know, people just crazy. And people earning between a hundred and a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year only have two thousand dollars. Did you I, did you, I was gonna say did so, you see that there's an article just recently about um, a couple in New York making two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they had they couldn't scrape five thousand dollars together. They're literally like one month from insolvency, right? And that's just the way that it is. And it's like, granted, if you, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And you know, that's a lot of times we'll have uh, companies ask us, well, we're not quite certain Spring Forward's the right thing for who our clientele is, and it's like, no, it is. You just don't you know don't know about it because people don't talk about it, yeah. but the stats are there. People don't have savings. And, you know, I always say we're all one day away from a pre-existing condition or some unexpected yep. health care costs. And with the way health care is now, you know, with high deductibles. Um, That's why I married a teacher. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, they I'm do. Good. My mom was. Like, we had great So was my mom. I learned, I learned from yeah. my mom to marry a teacher, and so I did. Yeah. <laughs> I have great insurance. <laughs> um, but so, you know, bad things happen to good people. Yep. And when you don't have savings, it causes problems. And so we want to be the company that's there to help. So as we partner with more and more organizations, not just the financial institutions, we have the ability to scale and create huge impact so quickly. So if you think about like, we're working with BMO Harris yep. Bank, great partner, love working with them. Shout out to Laura for setting this up, by the way. Yeah. Laura from, I went to school with her, so she reached out and was like, oh, we're partnered with 1871, you gotta do this. So definitely a shout out to BMO. Yeah, and a shout out to their um, 1871 BMO Harris yep. FinTech Partnership Program. We went through that, incredibly helpful. BMO Harris is now one of our clients. Yep. They're seeing huge impact working with Spring 4. Um, so um, it's just been a great partnership. No, no, I, it's, it's, I get it. And, and that's what this is all about in the end. Like 1871 has always been the 
since they've launched, they've been sort of the mecca or the epicenter for what's going on in tech and startups. And it's like some founders go there and they start their business there. Other founders go there and they just learn about what the, the, the environment is like. Other founders go and they take classes and workshops and things and they meet with people like BMO. Not every company that goes through is fortunate enough to actually turn the sponsors and partners into customers. Right. But that goes to show, you know, the value. I mean, we had, uh, I talked, Stella Shalu's from WeSolve. She's been on the show yep. several times. Stella, I know her well. Yeah. So, St I mean, Stella went through one of the partnership deals we did with Salesforce and they became a client right on the stage. It was like, right. we get yeah. it and we see the value. I think, I wonder with your business, do you see, and, and there's no wrong answer to this, but I, I look at like, your market potential is so huge because the financial market just is so, so huge and vexing to a lot of, of people who don't understand banking. Do you see continuing to just grow in financial and fintech, or do you see opportunities to do exactly what you're doing with this and activate whether you brand under 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 your current brand or you create new brands of sources for insurance, sources for healthcare? Because I look at like you're doing you're talking about financial well being. And I could argue that financial well-being is as a combination of of like life insurance and you know are you prepared for you just talked about like it's bad all things inter all it's it. all interconnected. Yeah. So I see a huge potential. Um, there's just a lot of opportunity. And again, as I was saying with this, um, I I hope it's not trendy. I yeah. hope it's here to stay. I kind of relate it back to. Uh, how we all understand and recognize how important it is to be physically healthy, yep. that this idea of being financially healthy is going to stick around. And we're just sort of at the forefront of it, meaning the industry, the fintech yeah. industry, you know, employers wanting to do it now. I think it's just a matter of like getting people to understand, yeah, you have to invest time and energy and you have to invest some dollars. And if you really want to help people um, become financially healthy because there's it makes sense. It, it makes sense for your company. It makes sense, you know, for society as a whole. Like Ideal, financially yeah. healthy people can buy homes. Yeah. They can, you know, go on trips. They can spend let money. Our student go or student development money go. Let it go. Right. <laughs> give us, yeah. give us our student debt money. Uh, yeah, that's something there. That's needs a whole to different change. thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so like as we kind of wrap up here with this, I one of the things that is, I don't know, I, I think potentially interesting as just an insight from from learning about this company is it's been sort of a crutch i feel for many business owners for the last 20 well forever but like the last 20 years that they can just ignore that the people that work for their company don't make enough money to make a living because they don't complain about it because they don't say listen i live paycheck to paycheck they just act like you know because they're they're proud they're their ego they like they show up and they don't want to be seen as someone who's like literally broke and the boss is like oh yeah everything's great you know we're all good and now they're taking this opportunity to be like, oh, we're going to give back. and But, like, who cares why, right? I mean, as long as they, they bring support for their for their workers, I think I think it's a win no matter what. I think it is a win, but I think we have to be careful to not equate helping employees with providing, only providing financial education yep. and literacy, right? Yeah. Because that doesn't change people's lives. Well, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't fix the problem that's already existing. If you can't existing. pay your bills this month, going through a budgeting and education module yeah. is not going to help that person. And so uh, that's where we come in and say, you know, Spring 4 is a differentiator because we can get tangible resources to your employees right away that are going to, you know, take away that stress, get them caught up. On average, people are saving about $250 per month with Spring 4. That is a substantial amount when you yeah. consider that 
half of Americans are, um, you know, can't afford a $400 unexpected expense. Yeah. So if we can come in there. and um, easily deploy our tool, that's something that I didn't talk about, but our time to market with the client is very quick. We're not integrating into their systems. We've purposely built our technology so it could be easily deployed. Yeah, so yeah, tell, I mean, tell me that real quick. So like, uh, if, if I'm at the bank and I have my problem and I bring it up and the bank says, US Bank or BMO says, hey, this is what you should do, what do I do? As a consumer? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, it, it they can point you in the direction of the self-service uh, tool, S4 yep. Direct. Um, like BMO has it positioned on their personal banking pages, and they're going to be adding it to additional pages to um, to various product pages. So like their auto lending page, their mortgage lending page. Yep. Um, so they can do that. And then certainly um, if they're talking with a collection or loss mitigation agent, um, they'll be, they can ask for spring four, but we have trained their team so that they're mentioning it on every call because they believe that it is so valuable and can create such impact. Very cool. Um, where do people go to learn more about this in general? Spring4.com. It's that easy. It's that easy. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, of course. This is great. You can catch this episode of more at technori.com. Download the podcast on Spotify or iTunes, and you can follow us on social at Technori or follow me at Katoon. Boom. That's a wrap.